Welcome to the Food Lens Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Smart, New England food writer and founder of The Not Just Company. And I'm your host, Molly Ford, co-founder of The Food Lens, your online resource for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston. On each episode of our podcast, we chat with restaurant industry insiders, digging into business, passion projects, and food trends to see what's shaping the New England restaurant scene. On today's episode, we chat with Pam and Chris Willis from Pammy's in Cambridge. Hey guys, before we get started with our interview, I want to tell you about Image Unlimited Communications, a PR agency that cares about restaurants just as much as we do. This Boston-based firm has a unique and effective personalized approach, and they've got the local and national media clips to prove it. The sharp focus on lifestyle, restaurants, and consumer goods, the agency has the contacts and the hustle to get you the placements that really move the needle for your brand. Whether you're looking for help with public relations, event planning, digital marketing, or social media, Image Unlimited Communications is here to help. Check them out at www.iucboston.com. That's iucboston.com. Hey, Catherine. Happy 2020. Happy 2020. I haven't seen you since 2019. I know. So corny. (laughs) How long do we say Happy New Year? Is it like Days, weeks, months. I kind of keep it going, at least through January. January feels, you know, like a fresh new start to 2020. So I think it's applicable. Did you have a good break? Yes, I had an incredible break. I spent it in San Diego with my family, my crazy family. But we had no drama. And we cooked and we hosted. And then I finished the trip in Los Angeles. Um, I had big plans uh, with that included a lot of restaurants and bars. And then I got... Some stomach bug, and so I spent my New Year's Eve barfing in my hotel room instead of... I hope it was a nice hotel room. <laughs> it was cozy, but, you know, I guess I started my 2020 diet earlier than yeah. I wanted to. <laughs> How was yours? It was great. Uh, there's a special place in hell for people who say they need a vacation from their vacation, but I will say traveling in the holidays with little kids is crazy. Uh, but at the same time, it was so, like... Not to be too cheesy, but kind of magical. I mean, my son, Jack, is three. And, like, we're in the sweet spot of, like, Christmas and Santa and all of that. And then having Pete, like, this brand new baby. Um, it was really special. It was fun. And now I need a really long nap. <laughs> I obviously was stalking you on Instagram. So I saw some funny clips of Jack, the three-year-old, dancing. I think he made you cocktails the other night. <laughs> oh, no, that was at breakfast. He woke up in the morning and was like, I'm going to make cocktails. And we're like, I guess it's time for the holidays to be over. <laughs> he is so funny. He cracks me up. He's good. And shout out to my mom for making like so much amazing food and hosting us. And there was like always a cookie to shove in my face or like some way to keep me going when I was running out of steam. So it was great. Yeah. I'm on a major detox right now, I have to admit. It was like, I mean, I think all of November and December, I was just on a tear of eating Part of out. The job. I know. It's, it's great. But I need a detox. Uh, but anyway, here we are. We're back. We're in studio. I'm excited. It's, it feels like a minute since we've been here. Definitely. And I can't wait to chat with Pam and Chris from Pammy's. Um, I love that restaurant. It is such a neighborhood restaurant. It's so special. Uh, it has, you know, this amazing, welcoming, homey vibe, but it also feels like it's a place you can get dressed up for if you want to. Like, it is a true elevated neighborhood restaurant is how I always hear it referred to. Um, and I want to hear about how they balance, you know, their work and home life because I know that they have kids, uh, husband and wife team. I think there's going to be a lot to dig into. Me too. 
We're so excited to have you guys in studio. Welcome. This is our cozy little second home now, right, Catherine? It really is. <laughs> it really is. I've been a big fan of Pammy's since you guys opened. I think it's a really special place. Um, the food and the vibe and everything about it is just uh, its really wonderful. Yay. Have you been over there? I time? have. My husband and I had no um, plans for anniversary. We, at that point, had, I don't know how old our first kid was, but small, had made no plans. My mom happened to come and we're like, you know what, we're just going to walk over there and like see what happens. We got two seats at the bar. We had delicious cocktails. We had like this amazing, totally unexpected dinner. Um, and I just get like warm fuzzies every time I think about Yay. it. <laughs> I get warm fuzzies when I think about Pammy's and I'm there all the time. So it's good. <laughs> you know, it's nice to know. It's also nice to know that you can just come on a whim because I think yeah. most people are always like, it's the hardest reservation to get. And I'm like, no, it's not. Just come in. Yeah. Half the restaurant is for walk-ins. Just That's good for in. people to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I love coming in and sitting at the bar, having a pasta and Aperol Spritz or some wine or both. <laughs> yeah. I, I came here hungry and thirsty right now. So I'm like... <laughs> we're gonna we're all going to head back to Pammy's after this. Yeah. <laughs> conversation will make all of us hungry. Yeah. Yes. Um, but anyway, I always see you at the restaurant, Pammy. Um, I feel like I don't see you as much because you're uh, in the kitchen. I hide, I hide in the back. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've always been interested in your background. Uh, I've read that you... Uh, we're in hospitality in New York, and your mom owned a hotel. Mm, yeah. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your background and your, your family background? Sure. I really, I grew up in hotels when I was little. I mean, I spent, I after school, and I, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the bars of hotels. My mother, she was a real inspiration to me in terms of taking care of people. I mean, she is, you say jump, and she says how high. I mean, she's a real people pleaser while still being actually a very strong woman, very true to who she is and not at all a pushover. She's a real badass. She's one of the first women to be part of the um, the Waldorf alumni. She worked at the Waldorf when she was young and moved up quickly and then became the managing partner of the Hotel Pennsylvania. And she was and took that hotel from bankruptcy to selling to Planet Hollywood in four years. Wow. Which is pretty intense. Yeah. yeah she's um, a real force. And how, how old were you at that point? I was, at that point, I was probably about, gosh, 14. Okay. So old enough that you could kind of see your yes. mother do this crazy thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And be missing her a lot, too. I mean, sure. my mom worked a lot. Um, my my parents <laughs> felt, I, my parents had a lot of guilt over being in um, the restaurant hotel business. My father ended up actually like early retiring, he, I think, wanted to be home with me more because I think they, you know, as a parent, I mean, she's Chris and I really struggle with this. That's why we live down the street from the restaurant. But having children and being in this business is really hard. And um, my parents really said, don't get a restaurant job. Don't get a server job. Don't get a bartender job. I'm so interested in this idea that you, Pammy's is such a neighborhood spot, even though it's elevated, even though you're doing really interesting things with the food and you're pushing the envelope, it has that neighborhood feel. And like right. you said, you save 50% of it for walk-ins. Um, you don't like to close on your neighbors. With your background of cooking, you know, at on Nantucket and then also in New York at like ABC Cochina and these big name spots, like why did you feel like you wanted to open a neighborhood spot? I feel like there aren't, this is going to, I don't want to sound. People love it ego, when you sound. Egotistical, <laughs> but I, I don't think there are a lot of good neighborhood restaurants because I think chefs these days strive in, almost selfishly in some cases to sort of put out the most impressive, in quotations, uh, food that they can, not thinking about the everyday diner and not thinking that we can actually provide what some might think of as everyday food in a way that is elevated. So food that is 
executed using techniques that I learned at sort of like fancier restaurants, but uh, using those techniques to create food that is appears simple and approachable and delicious on the plate. So that was kind of my dream. Can you give us an example of that kind of food at Pammy's for some of our listeners who maybe haven't been before? Sure. So if you take, for example, a roast chicken, right, which is like one of the most comforting dishes you could possibly eat. We kind of turn it on its head by deboning half a chicken, and then we pound the whole thing nice and thin, and then we turn the thigh onto the breast. So, so you get dark doing meat that, and white meat in correct. one bite? Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, and I, I'm, perfect. <laughs> we, we use this stuff, and this is where I like to use techniques that are this whole modernist cuisine movement, which was especially popular in the early 2000s. A lot of useful things have come out of it. A lot of things have been cast aside because they were just kind of gimmicky. But one of the things that is useful for us at Pammy's is something called Activa, which is uh, often referred to as meat glue in the industry, which um, is an awful sounding term. But we use Activa to glue this thigh piece onto the breast piece. So the diner is getting a bite of breast, which is you know lean and kind of supple with the more flavorful thigh in every bite, plus the skin. So it's like a cool approach to a roast chicken. Yeah, that, I would say does so. Does that make sense? Definitely. Or is that like... No, it makes a lot of sense okay. because I think when we're trying to describe how it's a neighborhood place, but like this isn't something you're probably going to make at home. That's a great... That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, what's Activa? Yeah, I've never heard What's of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually so, it's milk so, proteins. Yeah, it's just milk proteins. It's nothing crazy. I mean, there are a lot of these, not to go on a tangent, but there are a lot of um, sort of modernist powders that have a real stigma attached to them, like xanthan gum, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, xanthan gum comes from seaweed, right? But we grew up reading it on the back of a soda can or, you know, some crappy snack food so it's like um but uh chris my husband is a scientist okay uh, oh no way and so he nice. gets so rip-roaring about how people like love to freak out and demonize these things and it's, they're like it's just a fucking protein <laughs> like, oh, no totally not, it's so true it's some seaweed it, ground up it's, it's so, so yeah it's so true yeah. um but uh you're taking yeah. i think what you were trying to say too and say no Catherine, if i'm just putting words in your mouth yeah. but you are taking some of these techniques and these you know, really useful, great things that you learned from this movement that has gotten um, kind of a bad rap for being all about the foams and the gums sure. and blah. But sure. you've taken, you've sort of cherry picked those great pieces of it, yes. and that's part of what makes Pammy's and I, food I so think special. We're doing that. We're cherry picking to not only make things maybe more aesthetically pleasing, because I do think that food should be beautiful, but also to make it more delicious. So, Chris, we talked a little bit about Pammy's upbringing in hotels and her family life, but you have a really different story. I know a little bit about it because I've been following your brother's story at Bully Boy Distillery. And I found it really interesting that you guys grew up on your family farm. Uh, I believe it's in Sherborne, Mass., which isn't actually too far from here. So I'm really curious about how that impacted you and where you are today at Pammy's. Sure. I mean, I want to be honest about working on the farm. Like, we had uh, three full-time farmers as well. Um, You know, for me, it was less, I would say, I was more impacted by single events that, you know, I've I've cut a chicken's throat. You know, I've uh, I've executed 
a lamb before, cleaning that lamb, dressing it in the woods, and then eating it that very same night is not an experience that most people have. And even for chefs, I think it's unique. So from that perspective, things like that have made me appreciate the product more. And, you know, yeah. I was really impacted by the farm when I first went there because I'm raised by city kids. Mm -hmm. And food for me came, you know, on big platters in big hotel dining rooms. (laughs) And I never saw the food before it was in a dining room. I'm so inspired by Charles Coat Farm. I'm inspired by Chris's parents, too, and their commitment to selling beef it's uh, Christmas. And it is, yeah, to be clear, it's, it's, uh, it's primarily a, it's a working farm, but it's mostly livestock. I don't well, know. It's, it's just, like you can. It, it's yeah. so interesting because when you think about what makes a restaurant great, like you both come from those worlds and they're so different and they're mm-hmm. such equal, equal parts. Yeah. Of, you know, what make Pammy's Pammy's. Well, yeah, for sure. it's definitely true. I mean, we're, we're definitely in the right roles that suit our personalities <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I do want to go on record as saying too that the, the goal, which I'm hell-bent on realizing, is to have a vegetable patch on top of Pammy's. <laughs> on the roof. Ha- on the roof and to have a uh, chef's table in the middle of it and to have it be the first, not maybe not the first, but an outdoor city chef's table amongst a vegetable so, patch. I mean, I we can also... Super cool. That also, sounds incredible. Yeah. Also I'm put chickens. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Chickens in the parking lot. Animal <laughs> chickens in the parking lot. Yeah, really bring that farm aspect yeah. to yeah. the city. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. urban farming is, is all, you know, it's huge now. Catherine, I have some exciting news. Remember our season one sponsor, Weinster? Yes, how could I forget? They curate great wines from small producers in the U.S. You browse their collection of unique, hard-to-find wines, and then they ship it straight to your door with fast, cheap delivery. Yep, that's right. But the exciting news is that they're officially opening their doors to their showroom in Seaport this spring. What do you mean a showroom? Can you buy the wine there? Well, you can purchase wine and join the wine club in the showroom, but you can't walk out with wine. They always ship orders direct to your door. Convenient, right? They host small groups interested in learning more about Weinster and the wineries in their portfolio for wine consultations at no cost. An expert wine consultant will lead the group through a curated menu of five wines and educate the group on each pour and the amazing small producers that make them. Guests will also learn about the many ways to purchase these typically hard-to-find wines, either by the bottle, through the wine club, or with many gifting options on the Weinster site. Um, that sounds amazing. When are we going? I think we're overdue for a wine date now that I'm not pregnant. Totally agree. I can't wait to check it out with you. The complimentary 90-minute wine consultations are by appointment only at the showroom, so let's get on it. If you're interested in learning more, head to www.weinster.com. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.com. Chris, I want to talk about let me think about you being very exacting in particular in obsessions. I happen to know that you have an obsession with flowers. Yes. I think that that's a really good uh, way to illustrate kind of what you're all about and the kind of detail that you have. So can you talk a little bit about your bread program and your pasta program and sure. how, you know, flour plays into that? Um, yes. So we we are definitely obs- not – yeah, we're obsessed. We're obsessed <laughs> with flour oh, at, no. at Pammy's uh, to the extent that – um, we do mill a certain portion of the flour that we use for the bread and the pasta in-house every day. 
we store the wheat berries that we're using to create the flour in a cold environment. A lot of people who have flour don't understand that it's a really volatile ingredient, so it's mistreated. Not to get too philosophical, but I believe that you know the exercise, the act of grinding this wheat berry is sort of symbolic of you know how I want cooks in the kitchen to think of the food and the process it takes to make the food at Pammy's, which is to say it's like a soulful, old school, old world approach to food, right? It's like slow cooking on another level. Um, we do a cream of wheat, for example, which is in this case savory. So whereas most people think cream of wheat is being sort of like the sweet thing that you've may have had out of a box probably this growing This is a hard sell. Up. Pammy, were you into this? And he's like, I'm going to put gruel on the menu. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's so, it it's sounds... It's the most delicious gruel that you've ever eaten, Catherine. Yeah, yeah. I've got to try it. Yeah, it's, I mean, well, so it's delicious because we're taking, in this case, we're taking uh, wheat berries from Four Star Farms, which is local. And we're taking that wheat berry, we're crushing it in this mill. And so we're getting all the bran, the endosperm, all the different parts of the wheat berry, which many of which would normally be sifted out. And then we're cooking it like you would cook like a southern grit. So we're cooking yeah. it with uh, cream, milk, lots of butter. You know, there are very few people who are milling their own flour. It's become more popular, but uh, I can tell you as uh, as a chef, it's... It's definitely a labor of love. Like it's obviously way easier and in some cases more cost effective to just buy a bag of flour from from King Arthur or whoever. So So is this process that you're talking about necessarily healthier for people? Yes. You know, you can read endlessly about this online. There are studies, I don't quote me on this, um, but show that flour milled from a wheat berry and then consumed within, you know, 48 hours, something like that. So it's still quote unquote live is more digestible. It's certainly more healthful. Yeah. It makes you feel better. It doesn't, even if you have a gluten intolerance, I've heard, yeah. we've had customers I mean, celiac, say, but... certainly not celiac, but we've had customers who have an aversion to gluten yeah. say, I'm not as affected by your pasta or your bread. And they're not just being insufferable. Right. They're not Sorry. just being insufferable. <laughs> Sorry. I had to. We have a bumper sticker that says, I love gluten. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, respect. My business partner is like legit celiac, which I think is part of why no, I'm more it's, like skeptical people. No like, oh, I don't eat bread until like I've had a couple glasses of wine. And right. Then, yeah. Like, pass the bread basket. No. Yeah. It's true. But are... no, it's definitely a different, it's a different food. It's a different food. And I, part of the reason I wanted to let you like nerd out on that a little bit. Yeah. One, I'm sorry. I got, no, really, no, no. I got really nerdy. I love it. Great. And I'm <laughs> endlessly fascinated. And then also, I mean, you look at craft beer. And you think 10 years back, everybody's like, what are you talking about? I really do think that for better or worse, uh, flour is the ne- is going to be the next thing that people really care about, mm-hmm. that consumers care about, that, that chefs care about. And it's it's cool to see that in like this neighborhood restaurant in Cambridge, we have somebody who mm-hmm. is on the frontier of that. I think yeah. Really and cool. I, I don't want to claim to be the only one, to be clear. Um, but to get off topic a little, mm-hmm. Pammy... We saw that you were included in the Boston Globes roundup for the most stylish Bostonians. Mm-hmm. We and also see that you're wearing a fabulous pink sweater. Yeah. Was that Angora? Um, it is. And then a, a, an amazing black leather skirt. It's, and It's vegan, though. And then something that's like not a Blunston, but kind of, I mean, you you walk the walk the talk well, or represent well. I, I, am going, I am going to work, so. <laughs> it's not just I, for us. Yeah, well, it kind of is. It is I'm not going to lie. Um, I love fashion. I, I mean, I'm... a 
I'm a former actress. I cost. I mean, everything to me is a, kind of a costume. I love it. I I love being able to express myself through makeup, through hair, through what I wear. It makes me happy, and I find that kind of the more risks I take, the happier people are around me because they're like, oh, I can kind of wear whatever I want too, and. I I feel that way, you know, it's not because it's not my stuff isn't all, you know, fancy schmancy. Some of it is, you know, my favorite belt is a glitter rainbow belt from Target (laughs) Um, that I wear really so much that it's I got to get a new belt. But our staff doesn't have a uniform. We welcome style. We welcome people's personalities because it's amazing. I'm like, why would we make you wear this uncomfortable article of clothing when you know, your job is to make other people feel comfortable. We want you to be as comfortable as, as you can be. And they they appreciate it so much. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice not to have to, um, you know, wear the same shirt every day. Yeah, it's going back to that neighborhood vibe. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I also love it natural. as, like, a woman in, like, I've worked in food in different aspects my whole life. And I feel like that was never something that was thought of as, like, professional and kind of okay in the food world. Mm. And from, like, your amazing outfits to Allison Roman daring to have a red nail in, right? like, a food. I mean, I just love that that's a thing now that you can be feminine and you can express that if that's how you choose to express yourself. And you can also be taken seriously in the world of food. I think it's a nice um a nice trend that we're seeing. And I'm happy that you're really repping it hard. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) It sounds like you guys balance each other really well, you know, with what you do in front front of the house and what you do in the kitchen. But can you tell us about how you balance, uh, you know, or juggle, balance. How, how do you do it? How are you married and working together? And you have day? kids, so I need to know yeah, all and, the secrets. And throw kids in there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't balance it. <laughs> um, balance is actually a word we talk about all the time. It's amazing to be able to share a business with your spouse. It's actually, it's such a gift. I mean, we, we work together so well. We love each other so much. Um, but it does not come without a great therapist <laughs> and two children that are amazing. I mean, they are so strong. You know, they're so independent. And um, we also have this amazing woman who helps when I'm not home. Denise, shout out to Denise. She's shout out to the oh caregivers. <laughs> shout out to the caregivers. They don't I mean, get enough Denise credit. <laughs> also takes care of us. You know, it's not just kids. And I think that communication is really the key. You know, it's like you can't, you don't keep anything bottled up. <laughs> And our house is down the street. So and our house is down the some... street. And um, and we have a great staff that understands what it means to work with um, a married couple because that's huge. We also have another married couple on our staff. Oh, my gosh. Our bar manager, Rich, and his wife, Mia. We're also a huge proponent of, of taking care of oneself. Oh, my gosh. Self-care. Like, oh, all about some self-care, self-care is huge. I'm a huge exercise Me too. Uh, fanatic. You know, we talk to the staff a lot about taking care of themselves, and we actually we just kind of piloted a, a mindfulness program. Pammy's we um, just brought uh, Kristen, who's actually my sister-in-law, who's um, a mindfulness expert, coach, um, therapist. Uh, we did a manager kind of mindfulness training, and we're going to open up to the staff in the in, in the new year. And we're really excited about stuff like wow. that because I really think that if you in this business, if you don't take care of yourself, 
man, it's a slippery slope. And Chris and I talk about this a lot too about like this business kind of sometimes it like glorifies being like a, you know a rock star or something. It's like a hard living, you know, chef life and like yeah, no chef, sleep. You yeah, know, like work, work, work. that works until no about twenty six years old. It does. And then it works. That until, doesn't work anymore. And it's it not sustainable. And it doesn't work. But it's our hard, industry yeah. does kind of glorify like this kind of like badass kind of. And it's like no, I'll tell you what it really means to be a badass. You know, <laughs> I think that's so interesting though because I think personally it makes a huge difference in my life when I'm making time to mm-hmm. work out. That's huge for me, um, and it plays a large role in my anxiety and at the end of the day productivity Same. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm a head case uh, when I wake up every morning, it totally you know puts me off track, and um, it's just important and. I'm not afraid to yeah. admit that I, yeah. I do make time for my workouts and my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it keeps me going. Teach me. At a startup. Yeah, <laughs> Catherine's on a, on a different... Uh... Uh, no, it's true, though, and you have to find the time. And I'm in a oh, new so reality now because I have an eight-week-old baby on top yeah. of my three-year-old and my million jobs and all wonderful things. You look awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you, you know, do. and I think no matter what you're going through in your life, whether it's opening a new restaurant or starting a new venture, like you have to always recalibrate, like something that might have worked in your old life might not work in your new life. And kind of always figuring that out is, is tough. So I'm glad that you are talking about this because mm. no matter your industry or what you're doing, it's so important. But especially, as you said, in the hospitality industry, it it's nice to hear people who others look up to saying like, yeah, that's, that's important too. Yeah. And we also, we that's, try, we, yeah. oh, no, I was just going to say that's a change that's kind of um, swept the industry to some yeah. extent too. I think like when I was coming up in kitchens as a line cook, there was less of that. I mean, it was like really. Less is generous to oh. say. Yeah. I mean, I remember working, you know, I, I learned a lot at Clio working for, um, for Ken Oranger. He's someone who I really respect, but you know, it was a six day week and it was, it was. 10 in the morning till one in the morning. Um, and there was really no way around it. Uh, so, and he was not alone. I mean, that was just how it was. And I think there is, you know, I think it's important to have discipline for sure. And we, we definitely have discipline at PAMI's, but the balance is key. And actually I saw that first, it's interesting. I saw the, the first chefs who I saw sort of preach that were guys from the West Coast. Um, That's I where a, I'm from. There you go. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, had San Diego. A, I had a chef uh, named Larry Finn at, when I was at Cafe Gray. And Gray Kunz was decidedly old school. I mean, he would have had us working seven days a week. But Larry was from the West Coast, and Larry was amazing. He was a great leader. And he always maintained balance in his life. And I, I just, I still remember seeing that for the first time, being like, oh. Wow, you know, you can you can be a leader, and also have a, a a healthy lifestyle, and that was you know seven or eight years ago, and now I think people are. Yeah. I'm gonna write that on the that. mirror and on yeah. the door. <laughs> yeah. You can be a leader and have I mean, a healthy lifestyle. I'm just gonna and, yeah. plaster my house. Yeah. And, and it's and that said, I mean, it's still very sleep deprived. Yeah, I was gonna very say, deprived and, yeah, I was gonna say you, know, you don't. I, I, you don't I, have that. I don't. Balance, I'm still working. It's still a goal for me. I'm still in progress. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Chris, yeah. I'm pretty sure you worked 200 hours. Last yeah. Week, but. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Intention. I'm, can you remind me how old is Pammy's now? Two and a half. Two and a half? Okay. Only I it was three. two and a half. Yeah, it feels long. Like it's longer. A babe. Yeah. 
It's um, a little baby. It we it does kind of feel like it's been much longer, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I just easy like for I've you to say love. sip in your natural line at the bar. <laughs> I love I love Pammy, so it feels like the yeah, it's been open longer. Um, I love asking people this question. Looking back at the last two and a half years since you opened Pammy's, is there a moment that stands out to you guys as an especially proud moment, happy moment, um, just something that might have stopped you in your tracks? Um, I remember the first time I was standing at the pass, which is where all the food gets plated, and it was probably six or seven months in, and just like realizing at that moment that there was a team of cooks behind me that were cooking the food I had envisioned and like for years, you know, and actually becoming sort of becoming very emotional at that moment and sort of tearing up. And it was, yeah. Yeah. Getting emotional now. Um, so, I mean, it's been, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just a realization that we've, you know, we've done it to some extent. Like we've, we, because Pammy's was in the making really for five or six years. I mean, we looked for real estate in Brooklyn. Our first dream was to open in New York, and and we had a whole bunch of it was an, an emotional roller coaster um, as spaces came and went, and it was you know it's just so. You many would see loose. them become restaurants. Oh, like it was really hard. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's one of the hardest things is to find good good real and, estate. It, honestly, we could do a whole podcast yeah. about opening a business just as a couple. You know, it, it's. We might have to have a part two. But can I can I say what, yeah, what please, mine yeah, is? Yeah. Mine is um, when you're a neighborhood place, you um, have couples come in, and just in, a, in two and a half years, we had um, uh, Nick and Molly, who are a couple, who come into the restaurant and then got married at Pammy's, and now bring their baby girl in oh, for dinner. That's make me and cry that now. is uh, that's like that's to be a part of people's lives and their day-to-day and watch them grow i didn't realize the impact that that would have i'm getting teary yeah (laughs) but it's true it's like that's when you when you come down to it that's what it's all about it's all about human you know it's about connections it's about us being a part of people's lives but i guess i didn't realize how emotional that would be for me until i watched it happen and we actually said when we opened when we were looking at the the design of pammy's and how we were going to you know, build it and furnish it, we said that we wanted the materials within the house of Pammy to reflect the patrons who had eaten there over time, right? So, like, we bought, you know, full aniline leather that can stain and then pick up, picks up the oils from your skin and mm-hmm. develops this beautiful patina, patina and, and patina. floors which were, like, you know... Uh, barely treated so that you see the footprints and all this stuff and and uh, and that was the goal and I think even at the time we didn't realize you know how how that would sort of how impactful it would be impactful it would be yeah High yeah five, yeah no I mean it's, it's, uh... <laughs> well we always uh, wrap the show with our rapid fire round of questions I'm sure you guys have heard it before at least Pammy has because yeah. she's listened to every episode <laughs> yeah I've I've listened listened most of them right here <laughs> <laughs> well Chris I'm impressed you've listened to most of them with totally your uh, grueling 200 hours <laughs> a week in the kitchen <laughs> so I'm flattered um, but I would love you each to name your favorite Boston dumpling the spicy dumpling at Blossom Bar Cafe sushi. Dive. Oh, um, the Cantab Lounge. Uh, mine is Charlie's Kitchen. Dessert. Mine is uh, the Florentine cookie 
that uh, you can buy at Formaggio Kitchen, but is actually baked at Lakota Bakery. Favorite dessert, I'm gonna say two because I have to say the Pammy's bread pudding. But I'm also gonna say the Pop-Tart from Flower Bakery. And lastly, date spot. I think Momi Nomi. Oh, I've actually never been there. Favorite date night spot might, might also be um, glass of wine at Rebel Rebel, Celeste for dinner. This podcast was produced by Ali Pham. A special thanks to the folks at the PRX Podcast Garage. If you enjoyed what you heard, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with friends and family. Your help means so much to us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show and check out thefoodlens.com for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston.